When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I, Charles the Fourth, or is it the Third? Bloody bitch! We will supply the denazification of the Let me put it to you! Just a concrete. Yes, you If you win by one, you've won. The phone went over the side. It is time to destroy the I just think everyone should be sure. What the fuck is going on? Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome once again to my podcast, where each week, I asked the question, what the fuck is going on? We knew at the time that the government had no idea what they were doing with COVID. Boris Johnson had come on television saying, uh, you must uh, stay at home, except uh, uh, when you are out and the, the, the maximum, the maximum number permitted in a room at any one time is zero. So uh, if you find yourself in a room, you must leave immediately. But we didn't know they were this bad. His slogan throughout all this time was, we are following the science. But Boris Johnson asked at one point if COVID was nature's way of dealing with the elderly. That's not science. That's some mystical pagan belief, like in that Midsummer film. His address to the nation was probably going to go, when a man reaches 72 he, he shall walk into a field, lose his sense of taste and smell. He will give thanks to the gods for creating two lines on a little plastic testing machine and then lay down to die and replenish the soil and all the women of fertile age will dance around him and be pregnant uh, next spring. Now, the scientists have said at the inquiry that Johnson asked if COVID could be treated with hair dryers, that in the same meeting he suggested a total lockdown and then immediately changed his mind and wanted no restrictions at all. The scientists said there was no basis at all for the bubbles of six people, but the government did it anyway. So they weren't following the science at all. They might as well have said, uh, we're going to send a rocket to the sun and uh, we won't get hot because we'll go at night. And the news would have said, the government is following the science. When no more than six people were allowed in a room, and they had 70 people dancing and pissing it up with cases of wine upstairs from Downing Street, they might as well have said they were following the maths because 70 is a lower number than six. And the real scientists, such as Professor Chris Whitty, had to stand there every day on the television showing slides and talking about our rates, knowing that the Prime Minister stood next to him, didn't believe any of it, and but he was the one in charge. It must have been like if a surgeon was halfway through giving someone a heart bypass and Boris Johnson arrived going, I'm going to pour creosote onto his liver. And he'd be going, uh, I, I feel we should consider a, a number of, uh, of options. And then he went, no, 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 I'm going to uh, replace his stomach with a light bulb so that he can see what he's eating. And then we can forge ahead in a British spirit of luminous organs. And then three years later in an inquiry, 
The surgeon said, uh, we were aware at the time of certain discrepancies between the advice we were giving and the actions of the government. But somehow, none of it seems to make any difference and they'll just carry on as normal. And the COVID inquiry could report. At one point, the Prime Minister suggested locking all the care homes and pumping exhaust fumes into them to speed up finishing the old bastards off. The Prime Minister added, After all, if we kill all the elderly ourselves before COVID gets to them, we will have the lowest death rate from COVID, making us once again world leaders. And to be fair, that would at least be following the laws of statistics and science. Oh, what the fuck is going on? Now, lots of people have been very upset by the terrible events in the Middle East in recent weeks, especially this woman who I heard on a phone-in. Oh, I'm sick of it, Jeremy, sick of it. Have you seen what's going on out there in Gaza? It's disgusting. We've had a garden shed needs demolishing for years and the council tell us it's not their responsibility, as usual. But this lot of foreigners get the whole street knocked down in one go. Typical. I rang the Israeli Defence Force and asked if they'd knock it down for me and could they take out number 37 while they were at it? They said, is there a Hamas tunnel underneath? I said, well, there's teenagers who play Drake and Skepta until half past ten at night and if that's not terrorism I don't know what is they never even called me back and when I left a mattress and a tumble dryer in the road I got council busybodies calling banging on the door fining me for leaving a mess oh but these Gazans are allowed to walk away when their whole neighbourhood's full of rubble they make no effort to take it down to the dump maybe I should have swanned off and tried to cross into Egypt Oh, I'm sick of it. And who do these Palestinians think they are, demanding the Israelis recognise them? I didn't recognise Mary, who works at WH Smith's when she had her hair straightened. She didn't start firing missiles and complaining to the United Nations. Oh, I'm sick of it, Jeremy. Sick of it. Oh, there goes number 37. What the fuck is going on? Now, no one has ever ever succeeded in finding out what the fuck is going on without expert advice people have tried and that's been the last thing they've ever done like explorers trying to get up the i don't know up the northwest passage of you know whatever it is that they got the northwest passage of they're never seen again they're eaten by yetis but luckily i do have expert advice with me this week sally ann haywood friend of the show how are you i'm good thank you mark lovely to see hear you well, i can see you but this is a podcast isn't it so let's pretend we're on the phone um, yeah uh, and uh, how are you well I, I i keep getting asked that as people do because we're english and polite and it's very hard to say uh, you know you, you don't want to lie so i say i'm all right apart from the cancer and that yeah. sounds as if I'm taking the piss, but I'm not really. The funny thing is, they say that in the hospital, at the hospital appointments. Hello, how are you today? Not like a doctor saying, how are you today? How's it going? How's that? But just sort of, hello. But the, and I, I, you go, well, well I've got, got cancer. cancer. You know, yeah. that's why I'm here. Yeah, I'm not that great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel all right. But, but you know, got underneath- underlying, underlying sort of anxiety, haven't you, that you've got <laughs> mm. cancer? Really? That yeah. you've got to have it treated. Yeah, yeah. And that's you know, that I'll be honest, that puts a blight on the day. Yeah, I bet it does. I asked you earlier, didn't I, how are you? And you went, 
I'm all right, apart from the cancer. And I laughed, yeah. didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't laugh in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> they probably ought to be retrained. <laughs> they ought to be retrained so that they go, how are you? I'm all right, apart from the cancer. They <laughs> <laughs> should. <laughs> <laughs> it would be really awkward, but it would relieve the tension somewhat, it would, wouldn't it? Yeah. And then you could get make... on with the cancer. Exactly. Yeah. Rather than faffing about. I went to have some blood tests once and the nurse was so excited by the, the fact that she went, oh, lovely veins. And I thought, just yeah. get on with taking the blood. Let's <laughs> not, not go into detail about it. This, you know, surely you've seen good and bad veins in your time. But I feel like well, you're it's lucky some to sort have of lovely veins. Have you not got them? Have I touched a point there? Sore mm, point. I oh dear! Got lovely oh, do, veins. They have to dig around, do they have to dig around for yours? Yeah. At first, I was. They would go, "Oh dear," and they'd be tap, 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 and the rubber mm. thing round, you know, and up and you know, pulling that and stuff. And I think, oh, oh, first time I thought I've seen this on train spotted, but no other. But then tap, tap, and open and open, open your fist shut, open shut. And then they go, oh, dear. And then I'd say, oh, I'd make a terrible junkie, and they wouldn't laugh at that. So then they'd, uh, they'd try again, and then they try. And then the worse it got, because the more, you know, every time you use up a vein, that's one less you've got for next time, it seems. And in the end, I, I've had, over the last two, three months, I've had so many cannulas and the veins, and they've attacked. I mean, in the end, you know, you've, they go, oh, we just can't see. They come in with fucking swords. I can't uh, just, and then, uh, and then they'll go, oh, I'll have to get an expert. <laughs> My poxy it's- veins, I've not been blessed with big, full-bodied, you know, needle-sinking veins at all. Oh, I have. She said to me, I said, what makes them so lovely? And she went, oh, all pumped up like tyres. That's what she said. <laughs> Did you go to a doctor or was it a vampire? <laughs> she did say that. And then I went, what makes them so... What, well, I said, what happens when they're not lovely? She went, well, sometimes you've got to dig around for them. Yeah, that's, that's me. That's, that's me. you, isn't it? Yeah, said, yeah. How annoying. <laughs> oh, they're just... Look, I'm even looking at them now. They're ready. They're ready. Even now, and I'm just chatting online. They're ready. And if I oh, put the heating the on, they'd be massive. Really? You're just all yeah. vain. They're just... <laughs> <laughs> they like that. They love the idea because you sort of think that they're very matter of fact and just come in. That's what seems to be the trouble. But in fact, they're sort of thinking, veins. That's what they're thinking, these doctors. Yeah. Fuck's sake. Yeah, so now I've got, you know, I've got to start this thing, radio theory. They're weird. It's so, I mean, unless you've been through it, it's, just, it's all such a mystery. And they sort of, whatever it is that they do, you just have to go, Okay, that's what they When they had to make this mask, and then moulded this thing around my head. Right. And then it solidifies, and then it's it's absolutely rock hard, you know, like a sort of um, cricketer's helmet or an ice hockey goalkeeper's helmet or something. Absolutely rock hard, and it's pressed right over your face, really, really. And then um, there's holes in it, so you can breathe through your nose, but it's over your mouth. So it's quite... I wouldn't recommend it if you're claustrophobic. <laughs> But and then you just have to, and it's like, and they leave it on for 10, 12 minutes or something like that. Uh, and so I did one trial, or as they were making it, so I've got this every day. And then they play some music. They go, What music would you like? They asked you before because I wouldn't want to answer. And um, so I said, Oh, a bit of Arctic Monkeys, a bit of Bruce Springsteen. And then this screen comes down and they put that on YouTube. Aww. And then you sort of think, Oh, I've got four tracks of this. And then it's done. And. <clears throat> It's the strangest thing, and you just sort of submit to it because you can't go. I'm not, no. I mean, what other situation would you? But you go, yeah, whatever. 
Yeah, put a rock hard mask over me, and they bolt it down. So they go, "You will heal the, this bolt." Clum, clum, clum. So it all goes. You know, so it's like something you would imagine in a in some sort of horror film, you know. And you're bolted to this sort of I don't know lump of wood, I suppose. And then you're left there twelve minutes, and then they take it off again. <laughs> you put all your trust into these people as well, don't you? You really do. Yeah. It's in the hands of them, and you, and also you sort of. I don't even fight it. I just happily do it. I, I went yeah. in, talking to Claustrophobia. I remember going into an MRI scanner once, and luck. I went in feet first. Apparently, going in head first is quite. And you've probably done that though, haven't you? Yeah, you've gone into yeah, an MRI yeah, head yeah, first, yeah. yeah. And that, and that can be quite overwhelming, can't it? And I said, but as I was in it, I, and afterwards, I said to the doctor. It was all right. I said if I'd have um, if I'd have panicked, I could have I could have squeezed out. And he went. And then he said to me, "Not if you're massively overweight." And then you'd have to go to the zoo. And I went, "What? Mm. You have to go to the zoo for an MRI? Imagine that." There's a Louis C.K. bit. He talks about that about a yeah. woman who had to go to the zoo because she was overweight. Yeah, you have to and go to the. A- it's yeah. a thing. Well, I said to one of the doctors, "Have you ever, have you ever, ever had a patient done that?" And he went, "Oh yeah, when I worked in Manchester, I had to send somebody to Chester Zoo." How humiliating is that? So yeah. you get to the zoo at Chester Zoo, and they go, um, "Yes, yeah, sit down." Yeah, next no, to the we're giraffe. Ju- we're just doing a rhino. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking and it's and the uh, you can, I'll tell you what. He's, the horn's gone straight through the fucking <laughs> top of the MRI thing. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't allow for that, did we? That's going to take twenty minutes to patch that up. Sorry, love. <laughs> Even queuing with the kids at reception, and they're just paying for tickets to go and look round, and you're like, "Oh no, no, I'm here for the MRI." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to get down there. But got, yeah, <laughs> you're in the waiting room. Yeah. Uh, Alf, Alf the hippo. I think through that's this you. Way. I think that's you, Al. Through the, <laughs> through. <laughs> and then at the end, as we did take an extra, as we yeah, we were twenty minutes late, you're entitled to um, anything you want, anything you want from the gift shop. <laughs> and also the zookeeper having to brush it down after Alf's been on it before you get on it. <laughs> yeah, it's left his fucking mud everywhere. <laughs> And always the same with the hippos. Just makes such a mess. <laughs> we have, the tigers are really tidy. They don't leave anything. Just, really, just bloody hippo. They've got no respect for hippos. Just, <laughs> they don't shower before they come. Nothing. Terrible state. But there's a huge disparity in in animals, isn't there? So, like, yeah. is there... Goldfish. We, what do they do with that? Yeah, no, the goldfish will go in the normal one. They, they'll be sent in a part in an exchange. If the fat person has to go to the zoo, they send the goldfish. The they send the goldfish to King's College or to Manchester General Hospital, <laughs> along with the squirrels. Oh, fucking hell, they ain't doing these things. They wobble about, and there's no fucking way of getting it. Sit still. Flat, 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 flat. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting in the waiting room with the hamsters and then Beryl from Chorlton. Ch- yeah. Ch- Chorlton, not Chorlton. Ch- 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 um, anyway. Oh, God, and the hamsters won't sit still. They no. will not sit still. 
they want to get on the wheel, don't mm. they? There's got to be some sort. Of- you have to stay very, very still in an MRI scan, and that's you know, that's that's where you. That's where it falls apart, really, no. doesn't it? Yeah, that's <sighs> where. Humiliating to the zoo. No, I've heard. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I thought you had to be massive. You to, have to be to massive, be. don't you? You have to be documentaries. But then going back to sit in the original hospital with your zoo notes on your lap. <laughs> <laughs> and they get them wrong. We were talking about this earlier, weren't they? Because yeah. they always, in the early stages of a serious illness, they always get you wrong. They always say, well, according to, well, for example, uh, I went to one scan. It was a CT scan, I think. Or something, I can't remember. Might have been the MRI. Hmm. No, I think it was a CT scan, slightly different. And they came out with my details, uh, a sheet and that, with all my details. And they'd filled, then I had to fill in the bits they hadn't filled in. And then I noticed that at the top, the birth date was, my, my date of birth was 1996. And I thought, well, that's not right. And then I noticed they'd actually give me Elliot's birthday oh. and all his details and no one during the point at which they'd filled this out or handed it to me in front of me noticed that I probably wasn't 27 and um, I said this is my son's there so at the early stages everything's wrong they'll tell you no you're doing well for someone with one arm I've not got one arm and they've mixed you up with Ted who lives the other side of the road <laughs> and so why don't you introduce a zoo into it well you've uh, <laughs> <laughs> Price to the, see that you're yeah, alive, Queen Elizabeth II. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I watched the, you know, with everybody else. But anyway, you're doing rather well. But once you introduce a zoo, well, I would recommend just mating with someone else and uh, sitting over an egg in the uh, South Pole. <laughs> yes. Mix that with a penguin. <laughs> Have I? <laughs> <laughs> But, but but I haste to add that the, the health service, uh, the, uh, the hospital that has been looking after me have been, I mean, unbelievably brilliant. Now, we have a very serious subject to talk about. I came right. across this matter. <clears throat> so, there is an epidemic, as there always is, according mm-hmm. to newspapers of this sort of issue, of middle-class shoplifting, what they call. And there's uh, the head of, oh, what's his name, Norman... Angus Norman, someone like one of these people, used to be head of Marks and Spencers, uh, has said that they have What's come he, across. It, is well, he the head co- of middle class shoplifting now? Is that what well, he he's the one who's spotted the middle class shoplifting. Okay, and uh, he used to be an MP, I think. And <laughs> he has observed that there is a new wave of shoplifters and it all revolves around the self service checkout. Right. Because he says there are people who. If something won't scan properly, they give it a couple of goes and then go, oh, bollocks, and they just put it in the bag and walk off with it without paying. Right. And this is happening to a large, large, large degree, and people think, well, you know, if they can't be bothered to. Now, I read that and thought, hmm, so I have done that myself probably 7,000 times. Oh, you're admitting it live as well, <laughs> yeah. aren't you? Aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, well, not I only you... I to disagree with the head of Mark Suspense. I hope they've got radiotherapy in prison. <laughs> <laughs> you get preferential yeah. treatment. But, um, well, I quite often steal the bags. 
the, you know, Do I, you? I quite often steal this and I don't even try and scan them. I mean, I'm blatant. I just take them. If but it comes no up looking. how many bags, doesn't it? And you've got an option, no bags, yeah. one, two, yeah, three, so four bags. so I'm a liar as well. As so you thief. press no bag. Yeah. Yeah. That's worse and, than what I do. Yeah. You're saying no bag. Yeah. But I feel like mine's better. That's practically at least... Reggie Cray, that is. <laughs> yeah, I, feel, I feel like mine's better because there's more as, and you know, I can't just go, oh, sorry, I'm oh, silly me, like you would with your, oh, how silly. I have to, you know, I'm, I feel there's, there's no grey area with what I've done. I've just gone, yeah, I nicked a bag. Yeah, I'll pay for it, I don't mind. I'll give you 5p. Right. Oh, one final thing. So, yeah. now, this is a big final thing. So, you're doing a tour, aren't you? Which is I am, very exciting. yes. Oh, I forgot that I could plug that, couldn't I? Yeah, 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 yeah no, do. <laughs> I am. I'm doing a tour around the towns and cities of the UK and Northern Ireland, and Ireland will be added eventually. And you can okay. go to my website to get tickets, www.sallyannhaywood.co.uk. Yeah. And what is the, what's it called? Egg Shortage. Now... I'll I'll take a guess that's a sort of um, women's issue type thing. <laughs> women's issue. Such a 19... I'm rather old-fashioned. Yes. Is that something that pertains to the ladies? Women's problems. Rather, rather impertinent of me to raise it at all. If you'd like to, if you'd like to go through to the drawing room and we can discuss it there. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that did, to... sound, that did sound really... Is that <laughs> to, to do with your down said, there? Oh, is that what that's to do with oh, that down know. there? Terrible. I know, I know. This is... I know, I... I don't know what's the matter. It's the cancer makes me talk like that. I don't know. Don't say please tell me you're not going to say one of those words like womb. This is men's talk, this is. <laughs> Women don't need to interfere. You won't understand. Oh, okay. you know what I mean. Um, it's kind of loosely based on getting old. I'm, I'm, you know, it's, 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 it's menopause. Menopause. A little bit, yeah. There's a, there's, I talk about the perimenopause and the menopause in a humorous way. All the tours are on my website. The tour dates are on my website. Um, but I'm happily gigging as well. We've got a podcast as well. We're recording um, again, Spit or Swallow, it's called, which is about drink tasting as opposed to the rude stuff. Although we do get a bit rude. Um, yes, where we don't. That's not the sort of thing we refer to on here. It's not for ladies. No, 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 no. I mean, it's we've allowed you the title, but we won't, we won't be <laughs> listening to that. They got terrible uh, business with the um, uh, the golf clubs. Awful. Uh, <laughs> apparently, to the carpets worn. Anyway, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you so much, Daniel Edwards, for uh, entertaining us all and be entertained a yeah. whole series, a gamut of towns of Britain. Thank you very much. If you would like to hear more of that interview with Sally, then you can join us on Patreon, where there is an extended version available. It is indeed thanks to our wonderful, virtuous, radiant, saintly, uh, if there was any justice in the Vatican, beatified Patreon supporters that we can continue our quest to find out what the fuck is going on. So, to complete such a task, follow the link on our Twitter page or go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on. And for as little as £2 a month, you will get early access to ad-free. Ad-free! Nothing in this world is ad-free. 
babies come out of the womb saying we buy any car.com but this will be ad free versions of the regular episodes or if you really want to know what's going on in an advanced way for just four pounds a month you will get a longer ad free version of the episode with extended versions of the guest interviews extra Elliot and bonus sketches this week for example there's deceased Yorkshire cricketer Fred Truman who has very kindly given us his views on the recent Cricket World Cup. All our Patreon supporters get the episodes on Friday nights, unlike everybody else who has to wait until Saturday mornings with the terrible, terrible toll that that takes on the on the, the world. I was going to say the nations, but on the world's mental health, the, uh, the amount of... They can't produce Xanax fast enough for all the people who get stressed waiting for Saturday mornings. So go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on to join the WTF community. What the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? Now, once again, we're delighted to be able to bring you an extract from the post-Brexit diaries of Britain's most patriotic man, Nigel Boulevard. This week, as I stopped off at my favourite watering hole, which in this case was literally a watering hole, I couldn't help but raise a glass of fetid swamp water to the fact that we're no longer in the EU. Now that we've escaped the bureaucratic clutches of the European Union, we're free to negotiate our own trade deals with countries such as Australia, under which... In return for eating wombat testes and having maggots tipped over us, we get one and a half million good old-fashioned English pounds. Naturally, like most sensible people, I prefer a traditional British jungle with acorns and squirrels and conkers. So what a relief it is to see the back of the European Tropical Forest Commission, which had the right, by law, to insist that all British trees were a suitable habitat for spider monkeys, tree frogs and jaguars. We all remember the dark days when every garden in Kent had to be chopped down and replaced by a Brazilian rainforest, simply in order to satisfy the Portuguese. And when, as a result, Canterbury saw an infestation of giant anteaters, our Brussels overlords insisted that they were allowed to stay there and had the right as migrants to be housed in the nearest cathedral, where they were fed bucket loads of ants by the Archbishop of Canterbury until they ate right through his mitre. Now I'm off to sit in an underground tank with a collection of poisonous snakes, but first the snakes have insisted on being given protective goggles. Mine's a pint of sheep's udder. Cheers! It has come to the time of the week when the nation, so indeed the globe, I'm forgetting that the internet has no borders. The globe waits for the announcements. People in Guatemala stop picking coffee. People in, uh, I don't know, in the in the favelas of Brazil, they stop hanging out the washing, whatever stereotypical pe- things people do. People in China stop cycling. People in Sicily stop shooting each other. And they wait for the announcements. And, uh, well, there are one or two announcements. So there's going to be a new series of In Town, where I go around a town and I'm uh, uh, rude to people in the town. 
So that's going to be coming. I don't know when it's going to be recorded. There are so many things that have to be sorted uh, be- before it's recorded. But uh, I've been to Margate, which is the first place it's going to be. Um, the, the first the first stop on this particular in-town. I can't remember what series it is now. I think it's series 8,709. And uh, I might even have done Margate and forgotten. Who knows? But you know, most of the people that will have been around and heard it at the time died in the Victorian times. And so it, it's changed quite a bit then. In talking of which, Margate apparently was the first place to have bathing machines. And I was told that a bathing machine is not actually to protect people's modesty. I'm not quite sure I believe this. I think it was. But, you you know, the the image, obviously, in Victorian times, people had bathing machines because you didn't want to go around um, flashing, your, uh, flashing your bust or, indeed, the, the bulge of your manhood on the beach. In Victorian times, you, you couldn't go around doing things like that because, uh, you know, abuse had to be done behind closed doors because there was decorum. But... That wasn't the reason. Apparently, it was that most people couldn't swim. Is that right? I'm not sure. That's what someone told me who was a, an expert. There's a crab museum there. Um, yeah, I, I, I know every town's got a crab museum, but they've got a, a, a very good one. Right, so Margate. So that's going to be the first one. And then uh, I'm not sure where, but, well, I do sort of know, but um, you, that will all be announced in uh, in time. So also... There have been lots of people who have been getting in touch with us either on Patreon or on Twitter with questions about what the fuck is going on with certain things. Arlene Finnegan, one of our Patreon supporters, says, I hope you're keeping as well as you can, Mark. I'm not so bad. I'm all right at the moment. I've got all this treatment starting soon where they fire all radioactivity into me like I'm a a soldier in 1956 being tested by looking at a nuclear bomb in the Pacific. Uh, so that sort of thing gets gets aimed at me. And then once all that's done, God knows what I'll be like. I'll probably be a completely different species. <clears throat> but Arlene goes on to say, what the fuck is going on with the government? My mum's really ill in hospital at the moment. And one of the questions they ask people to assess their mental state is who is the prime minister? And her response to that yesterday was, it was Rishi Sunak, but I've been in here since last week, so it could be anyone by now. What a magnificent answer. And indeed, they might well be turning on Rishi Sunak. It's not impossible, is it? I mean, we'll come on in a minute to one of the reasons why they ought to turn on him, but he's fucking useless. He clearly isn't. I saw that. I saw uh, Matt Ford, who himself is not in the best of health at the moment. I saw Matt Ford up in Edinburgh. He he was doing this thing about how Rishi Sunak always manages to sort of, he does it a million times better than I ever could, but he does it. Rishi Sunak always manages to end on a slightly upbeat way of speaking. And he even said at one point, we now have the worst uh, set of figures for school children leaving school being able to read in the whole of Europe. <laughs> and so there is a sort of thing, every time you think, oh, are they? Are the Conservatives going to lose by as much as the polls say? No, you forget that once, he's, once Rishi Sunak is going to be out campaigning, they're going to get worse, not better. He's not going to suddenly unveil a magnificent campaign that's going to make people forget all of the stuff of the last few years, Liz Truss budget and Boris Johnson and the party gate and all of the 
chaos of COVID and Brexit and Rwanda, then people aren't going to, because he's going to be fucking useless. He's going to be, God knows how how bad he's going to be. There's going to be a bit where he he goes out to, I don't know, to where he walks up to a a nurse and says, "Um, if you vote for me, I'm going to make sure that you're executed. Yes, and or something so bad that you can't imagine. So, uh, nonetheless, it is possible that they'll all turn on him and bravo, and he's probably got about four supporters. But they're, they're, uh, however many Tory MPs there are, there are that many factions, aren't there? And they all hate each other. So it's all good. It's all good entertainment. And I'm very glad that your mum is clearly in a good mental state to be able to answer that question like that. Robert Reed on Patreon says. I'll read out exactly what he says. Given Glastonbury has clearly become part of the middle-class event season alongside Henley and Windsor Polo, even the tickets are impossible to buy unless your IP address is in Chipping Norton. My South London address clearly was blocked after I spent my Sunday morning staring at a screen trying to load the ticket page. So I hope the acts are all shite like Dollar and Gary Barlow and Roger Waters. Who would you like to see play given the audience are now just corporates on a freebie? I'm not bitter. Well, that's very funny, Robert. I, there's a number of flaws in what you're saying. One is that if Glastonbury really has just become part of the middle-class event season alongside Enley and Windsor Polo, why were you so keen to go it go to it? I mean, and if you were, couldn't you just go to Henley and Windsor Polo instead, as I suspect it's slightly easier to get tickets to, to that. I don't know how you get tickets to Windsor Polo. Do they come up on a website? Do, like, aristocrats all around the world sit, sit like, eagerly over their laptops? Oh my God. Like, uh, Prince, uh, like Prince William, Prince Hand- Andrew. Oh, my God. Uh, exactly eight o'clock, the Windsor Polo fucking... Well, you should be able to give them tickets. They're in our fucking castle part of the thing. Oh, but, you know, because they're, they're so exclusive that they don't even give us any... Oh, shit, they're all bloody gone in the first five seconds. I don't know. But clearly you did want to go to it and you can't. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's very difficult to get. Even if you're a performer, it's quite hard to get tickets. You sort of think, oh, if I'm a performer, I can probably wangle tickets. But you really can't. I suspect Mick Jagger, when he was on, was like, surely you can give us an extra fucking ticket. No. But uh, no. No, I'm, I'm sorry, Mick. It's just, you know, your own one. And... um. I don't know. I think who I would like to see on it, I, I know I've said this before, is Dolly Parton I'd like to see on there because I know she was on a few years ago. But Billy Bragg, bless him, I was doing his tent, the left field tent, and he asked me what time I wanted to be on. And I said, I don't mind, Billy, any time at all, as long as it's not when Dolly Parton comes on because I love Dolly Parton and I must see Dolly Parton. And in any case, no one's going to be in your tent <clears throat> with the greatest respect to your tent while Dolly Parton's on. And then... He forgot and put me on when Dolly Parton was on. So I had to see the first two songs of Dolly Parton, then halfway through Coat of Many Colours, had to walk out of the crowd. I'm lucky she didn't see me. Where are you gone? Um, and then leave this field of like 40 million delighted people and go and stand in a tent where I could still hear her singing about our <sighs> she will always love me. In a tent in front of seven people, all of which I had nothing but contempt for, because why weren't they watching Dolly Parton? And to be fair to Billy Bragg, he did introduce me personally by going, I'm so sorry he wasn't meant to be here at this time. So I'd, I'd, I'd like to put that to uh, to rest. And 
uh, I, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> but I, I think, you know, I, clearly you are slightly better, Robert, and at least you had the good grace to, to say that. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I know I love the people who go, oh, it used to be much better when it wasn't corporate in the old days because you could just climb over the fence. <laughs> That's a marvellous sort of way of 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 uh, describing or a marvellous way of judging with something's been corporate, corporate. It's all fucking corporate now. You used to be able to get in for free by just climbing over the fence or just getting a like a, a or getting a jackhammer and just like punching holes through the wall. And you could just get through. Not now. It's all fucking shit now, isn't it? You know, it's the same as like, you know, cafes and that. They've all gone corporate now because, you know, if you don't pay, then you they fucking come after you and shit like that. I preferred cafes in the old days when you would just like have, you would just have the breakfast and then you'd just like wave a shotgun at them and just run off. They fucking made all that illegal now, isn't it? Now they're all poncy, aren't they? All fucking gentrified now, aren't they? Shops and things where you have to pay for them. Fucking hell, that was fucking typical. That's a tourist for you. Now, you know if you've been listening to this podcast, you probably know even if you haven't, that it is not possible to work out what the fuck is going on unless you have someone that you can talk to regularly who is between 27 and a quarter and 27 and a half years old. And that is why 27 and, I don't know, a third years ago, this person was bred who I have with me now, Mr. Elliot Steele. Hello. Are you all right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you just yeah. Well, apart from one or two things that are, you know, slightly oh, yeah. malfunctioning. The, yeah. Um. So, you've just been training again, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. You seem to go training every day, of yeah. about four times. Uh. Well, I can't. I've I've injured my foot, so I wasn't able to walk yesterday. So I went in today and took it quite light. Uh, and then this evening I'll just go do some work on the bike. So that's when you've got an injured foot. All you do is about seven hours, of which five hours is cage fighting with a bear. <laughs> well, yeah, I just did some like sort of jujitsu stuff today rather than like any standing and putting pressure on the foot and striking. And hopefully by tomorrow the foot will be all right. But it's just injuries. Injuries are part of it. You've just got to learn to train around them. Everyone has an injury, like... Um, train round that's like something my dad would have said train round well, if you've got they, a broken spine you train round it you well, don't make they, a fuss there's a difference between like alright I hurt my foot I wasn't able to walk I took some naproxen the anti-inflammatories it, the, it was just an inflammation on the muscle it went down rather than like I've sprained my ankle that's like a serious injury or you know I can't walk because the ankle sprains whereas if it's just like oh the muscle's slightly inflamed uh, then you just you just have to take it a little bit more cautiously. But I do have quite a bad uh, injury on my just under my shoulder blade, the trapezium. It is where that I'm going to have to like go for a massage, and if that doesn't work, I'm then going to have to go to physiotherapy. It, like, look with martial arts, you're going to get injured. It's going right. to happen. It's just on your. <laughs> is that how they up. advertise it? Well, Come just, down to our taekwondo gym. We uh, guarantee any serious injury within the first six uh, months. If uh, you're still walking after Christmas, get your money back. 
Well, taekwondo, taekwondo would be the safest because there's a lot of stretching. Right. So taekwondo, they focus more on stretching than. Do you do your own stretching, or do people stretch you for you in in the angles that uh, you weren't really open to be stretched? I I barely stretch, which um, is going to cause me huge issues. But I I also don't think like just standing there and doing basic stretches is. I think you have to do more sport specific rotational movements than just stretching. Like, but but what I was going to say is I. Like, so there's always like some fucking, you always, every now and then you have a, a training partner who's a fucking div. And there's one in my gym at the moment who just anytime it's like, so we're doing, we're doing Muay Thai drills, right? So it'll be like, you'll have the Muay Thai pads and it might be jab, cross, low kick, switch, kick, right? And what will happen is, but it, because you, but neither of you have shin pads on, it's like, you're going to throw a low kick, but throw it very lightly on the person's legs. And this dickhead would just bang on the leg and you just go, mate, don't don't do that. Like, cause you're hurting my leg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bang. And does it again. And then you realize, oh, you're you're here to fight because you're thick and you've got nothing else. Like that's why you have to be a fighter because you can't take in any information that isn't move that there or pick that person up and throw him on the floor, you fucking idiot. <laughs> like, you, like martial arts also gives this, uh, this example of itself that it's got all these sort of like... Uh, I'm, I'm, well, I'm like, and, like, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying the fact that it's it's obviously, because a big part of martial arts is obviously very spiritual. It's to keep you calm. It's essential to stay relaxed at all times because you can't engage in any of these fights if you're in any way stressed or het up. And I like the fact that you fully engage with that and don't show any emotion. No, but that, that's what it is. It's like you, you've got that part of it and then you've also got, right, who the fuck allowed this person in? Like, what, so how the fuck are you meant to be spiritual with this cunt around? Uh, I, I, I think that, that's what... I think Lao Tse said the same thing in his well, in, in his in his treaties about fighting. Well, at uh, all times, make sure you haven't got La- some La- cunt. Who, yeah, is it? I've never heard of Lao Tse. Is it Sun Tzu you think? No, La- Sun Tzu was Miyota, different. Sun Tzu Miyota was the art of war. Just, yeah, Miyoto Miyasashi, who was like supposedly the best samurai ever. But if you read his book Five Five Rings oh. of Power. Um, well, does he say how the fuck are you are supposed to be spiritual with this cunt around well, does he, he say that he kind of does like he, 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 <laughs> he's like he was a massive prick he's like his like entire philosophy do you think he went in with the sword some of the right we're just doing light sword work today oh for yeah, yeah. fuck's sake no, I'm, I'm he not, I'm fucking not took his arm off that's, that's literally what he used to do. He was, he was a real prick. Like, he had this uh, one battle. He was meant to be fighting this other samurai. And he turned up like three hours late, which was hugely disrespectful. And he turned up on a boat that he rode himself. And then he went to the guy, oh, I haven't got uh, my sword, so I'm just going to have to use the oar of this boat. Is it all right if I just whittle it into the shape of the sword? And the guy's like, yeah, I've been waiting three hours. And he's like, yeah, but I just, I need a fucking, well, I haven't got a sword. I forgot my sword. So then he whittled it down into a thing and then beat the fuck out of the guy with the wood. And he won because he'd fucked the guy off so much that the guy really wanted to get and then just beat the shit out. So like, his, yeah, he was a His real... problem then, presumably, was he couldn't row back because his oar now was the shape of a sword. <laughs> There's this brand of fighting called ninjutsu, which is like, right. yeah, like if you just say that to you do ninjutsu to me, I'll sit there and listen to what you're saying, but just know it's a load of fucking shit. 
and like it, it's like oh you're training to be a ninja are you how amazing uh wow and uh, all this nonsense and it's like oh yeah but that was bruce lee's martial art and it's like bruce lee was undoubtedly an incredible fighter but it's more the cultural impact bruce lee had and i, I it's actually arguable now this isn't bruce lee's fault the impact he had was quite negative on martial arts now this is quite controversial what i'm about to say he brought martial arts and being like a smaller fighter into a court he made that call that's what he did what he couldn't control was the way it sort of got the americans and everyone turned it into this sort of mental there's a man david dukes who claimed that there's a film about him called um oh what's it called it's got rob van damme in it and John Claude, not Rob Van Damme, John Claude Van Damme in it, um, where he goes and fights in this Kumite blood sport, right? He goes and fights in this in this film Blood Sport, and it, and this film is made about David Dukes as if it's true. Not like, David Dukes, the Ku Klux Klan. No, no, no. Who am I thinking of? David Dukes. Who am I thinking of? One second, Frank. There's this guy. Uh, no, David Dukes. I the. This guy, Frank Dukes, Frank Dukes. Yeah, that's it. Sorry, not David Dukes, the Ku Klux Klan leader. That makes a lot more sense. But <laughs> what a life he would have had. <laughs> like, oh, I don't agree with his politics, but he could twist and kick him one go. <laughs> um, but the, so this guy, Frank Dukes, claimed that he went and fought in this Kumite. Uh, where somebody did a mathematical equation, he said he went to this island and had to have 90 fights uh, to win this Kumite. And it was like, all oh, some of the fights were to the death and stuff. And someone did a mathematical equation that if you worked out the amount of people who had to be in this thing for people to reach the final, that's more people than there are on Earth. Because, but it, well, it was a knockout. It's a 90 round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you, like you, a you, Grand Slam tennis tournament. Yeah. Oh, he claimed he was in uh, the Navy <laughs> SEALs and, like, worked on his secret. He wrote, like, books about it. So he's but through to taking, the eighth round, and now there's only eight billion people left. Exactly. So, like, <laughs> he, he claimed this. And this, this kind of happened after, like, the sensationalism of Bruce Lee happened, which, again, it's not Bruce Lee's fault. It's not, you know, these, these these frauds just jumped on it. And uh, that kind of stuff where people were, would talk about, there was a thing called the Black Dragon Society, right? And they all went and had a, a, a big fight. And uh, the problem with this was <laughs> all these karate dojo people who didn't really know any karate all went and had a fight and someone died and they all got, they all went to go to court, but there was about 30 of them. So none of them could be prosecuted. And the judge literally went, I can't send anyone to jail because we don't know who did it, but you should all be ashamed of yourself. He was like, this is the most ridiculous thing that I've ever seen in my life. And that was like, that's where like the sensationalism and all of it came from was all, all these sort of clowns, which happened after uh, they were just trying to ride on Bruce Lee's well, legacy thank, and make it thanks American. Thanks so much for enlightening that. I, but I know he's yeah. He's, there'll be like Reiki foo where yeah. where you where you beat people by waving your hands over their hair in a certain way and destabilize their spiritual in- energy and stuff. I bet there's people oh, yeah, think like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's loads yeah. of things like that. Well, I, it's been a, a enlightening as ever listening to you talking about people kicking each other's heads in, albeit in a spiritual way. There was very little of that in the Sunday school where I went, and I went to Swanley, 
that was probably about the only bit of the week in the whole of my life in Swanley when no one kicked their head in. No one kicks each other's heads, although probably the vicar did go out and do a couple of people in afterwards. Thank you very much, Mr. Elliot Steele. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, rate it. And if you can be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, then get seven or 800 people to collectively write a review. And don't put it on until all of you unanimously agree on every description that uh, that you have inscribed. If there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTF is going on pod, and we will look at every message that you send. If you would like to become a WTF supporter for as little as two pounds a month and get early access to ad free, ad free content and extended versions, please visit our Patreon page. What the fuck is going on was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests Sally Ann Haywood and Elliot Steele. The voices were by Sarah Alexander. It was written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair. The music was by Woody Dowling. It was produced by Mike Benwell at Carousel Studios. What the fuck is going on was brought to you by WTF Productions.